Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Polish Presents Pictures Powwow. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Sawinski. And I am Bartek. Bartek, you're here. Yeah. You're physically in the same room as me. I know. Get out. It's been like a dozen... Yeah, bye. Bye, get out of here. Go back home. Get out. Go. Get out of my face. Jeez, he came in here... Saying that he was wanting to do the episode in person because they've lowered the restrictions in our state. And I said, no, how dare you? First, we'll record an interaction so that I can come across as a crusader. Mm -hmm. In which I tell you to get out, you fake getting out. And then you ruin the illusion by going, "Mm mm-hmm, when I said something just now. And then I have to reference the fact that you said that. And And this is Pictures Power, the show in which we do this for an hour. Yeah, and then I go home, record my own audio and peek peek it. You peek throughout the whole thing without noticing her, and you have birds in the background and all of it. It's crazy. And the nonsense. chimes, and the chimes. Yeah, you didn't get rid of those. But uh, Bartek, Pictures Power, it's our show in which we talk about a movie that's come recommended. Recommendations come from us and all the listening people. This week, it is a movie you recommended. What was the film? The film is the 2000 film Castaway, the film. With Tom Hanks? With, to- with thanks. With thanks himself and directed by one of your favorite directors, Robert Zemeckis. Robbie. Who is who is one of your favorites. You've enjoyed quite a lot of his films. Uh, Forrest Gump. Yes, that's true. You recently enjoyed his film Allied. The one with Brad Pitt having to determine if his wife was a Nazi spy. Right, right, yeah. That's... You you instantly forgot it, didn't you? No, like, I, th- I had to give you all the description of it no, no, for you the, to be the, like, mm. The thing that confused me was recently. I'm like, that was a few years ago, wasn't it? But that's one of his more recent films. Yeah. I didn't think you saw Welcome to Marwin, but maybe you did. I don't know. I don't know that I've heard of that. That's the one where Steve Carell is playing a real-life guy who... Like unleashes his PTSD symptoms through action figures, like war action figures. He takes photos of them, mm-hmm. and it's like Steve Carell starts imagining himself as the dolls. So you have like this little war action figure, but with Steve Carell's face on it. Robert Zemeckis, of course, did the Back to the Future movies. Mm, great Scott. Great Scott. I can't remember what you feel about those movies. If... I enjoyed them. Yeah. What do you have? A f- okay, we're getting off on a tangent, but do you have a favorite out of the trilogy? When I was younger and I first watched I really liked the second one. Mm, and now as an adult? I haven't rewatched them in forever. I'm just going to say it. Third one, very undervalued. That third one has a lot going. I mean, it has Mary Steenburgen in it as love interest for, for Doc. I mean, she's cute. So, tick in the box right there. But Bartek, we're doing Castaway. Zemeckis and Hanks together is always a joy. One of your favorite films, Forrest Gump. Now, here we are, Castaway. Let's talk about Castaway. Listening people, if you haven't seen the film Castaway, we're going to be talking about it in depth, but to be honest, I mean, what is there to spoil other than Tom Hanks gets trapped on an island and then he leaves the island? That's in the trailer. And and Wilson, the ball. His wife. And he has a wife. No, mm -mm, fiancé. 
fancy. Not even that. It was implied that he was going to ask her to marry him, but we don't actually see that. Like, it's the present. I was talking about Rita Wilson, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're talking about real life? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking about, like, I was saying <laughs> plot points of the movie, know, and then yeah. you were like, and his wife. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because you said Wilson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said Wilson. Um, Soz, that was in the trivia a lot, yeah, by the way. I, I don't know what the fuck that is. I know, I know. Did, Castaway's trivia was like really con- like concise and then crazy in yeah. random spurts. Here are, here are the coordinates for where the island is. Which and is like, cool. Yeah, and also here's three or four times who he's married to. And also <laughs> this actress died tragically at a at the young age of 58 or whatever. Like the actress at the end that he talks to, it's like, yeah, yeah. what the fuck was that? What was the tri- It was like... Uh, Tom Hanks r- had a headcanon that he would get together with this girl at the end of the film. And live the rest of their lives together, <laughs> together. which is art imitating life or whatever. Unfortunately, <laughs> she died. I'm like, what did that, what did that even <laughs> it mean? nothing to do with anything. <laughs> People just shoved that in. So, Bartek, let's talk Castaway 2000. You recommended it. So, what's your history and relationship with this film? I, like I alluded, you're a big fan of the collaboration between these two. Of mm. Hanks and Zemeckis. Mm. So does it work this time around for you? I have always really liked Castaway. I remember the first time I watched it, it was on... I think I watched it on TV, actually. Ooh, I watched something on TV, Ryan. You didn't see it at the cinema, huh? No, I didn't. <laughs> you you, you <laughs> little seven-year-old Bartek didn't go <laughs> see it at the cinema with his mama? She, and did see it in the Bollywood would, dub of it? <laughs> <laughs> she would have had an angle. She'd be like, oh, Woody, Woody's in it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm gonna say 100% honest, straight off the bat, Tom Hanks is one of those actors who I completely forget who he is when he is in a role. Like, I believe him as Forrest Gump, I believe him in any role, but. of his roles, there's a five-minute buffering period in which I have to remove the fact that that's the voice of Woody. (laughs) In this movie, the first scene he's introduced is via his voice, and I'm like, it's Woody, because he's doing a Woody-like speech where he's he's like, we gotta get this on time, and blah, 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 and I'm like, hey, it's Woody. He's yelling at the toys for Andy's birthday. And there's many, many times in the movie when I watched this with my wife last night who had not seen this film before. She would get, like, very tense, because it's a very tense movie, and and she's like this is making me feel like uh, whatever and I'm like and I just said do you want me to make you feel better and she's like yeah and I just go it's Woody like and, and make it instantly release the tension like I love Tom Hanks but as a kid who grew up with the Toy Story movies there is for a lot of them not Forrest Gump because he, he has a different voice and accent and mannerisms but like there's a five minute buffering period in which I have to dissociate that this is Woody speaking right now <laughs> I think I did have it for this viewing yeah because <laughs> this is at the period when he was doing those mm. as well like they like I don't think Tom Hanks's voice has aged out considerably but this is like the peak like, this is when one and two were happening, or two was about to happen. Like, it's in between, at least. Yeah, I, yeah two was the year after this, I believe. But he was recording it, or whatever, at that time. No, it was that year, I think. Cause I, yeah, I saw it when I was in year one, and that was 2000. So you saw that, but not this, at the cinema. So, this is one you've always enjoyed? Yes. Um, I think I even mentioned in our uh, Wolf Children episode that this was the first film to make me cry. Uh, specifically in a scene later in the film. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that, yeah. Um, it hasn't made me cry again since, but every time it happens, it's like, ooh. Yeah, home dentistry made you cry. Who would have guessed? I know. <laughs> that poor skate. Never liked ice skating. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've seen this movie about four 
maybe five times. Mm. And it's one of those movies where I don't remember the first time I saw it necessarily. I don't have a memory of it, but it's one of those iconic films that you need to, like, it's one of those ones that you know you need to see at some point. It's very well known, but it's also one of those films where since it's so bare bones of like iconic things, like the most iconic thing is Wilson and Tom Hanks on an island. There's that thing in which when you watch it, it is pretty bare bones, but there's so much there. There's so mm. much atmosphere and, and all this yeah. stuff. And for me, it's always been one of those movies where I always say after I watch it, oh, that was so great, but I don't think I would ever need to watch it again. You know what I'm talking about? There's those mm. kind of movies where you really enjoy it, but you don't need to watch it again. It kind of served its purpose, but... Over the years, I've I've caught it again, and it just hooks you again. And so when you recommended it, I was like, oh, hopefully it's still as like so. Hopefully I still get hooked into it. And admittedly, a little bit less this time, but also a little bit more because I was watching it with my wife and seen it before. So her experience watching it for the first time was really fun for me. But there was a little bit less of an impact this time for me. I was kind of noticing that the first like before he gets on the island was a little bit too. Hollywood schmaltzy for me. A lot of setup-y things that are going to be paid off with contrast. Yeah. And very, you know, wholesome Hollywood schmaltzy kind of tone in which it's very much setting up the he chooses work over his girlfriend and mm. his tooth is hurt and a lot of... And he's got all these friends and family but they don't actually care about him. They care about themselves. And then at the end... Uh, they made a joke about a pager and now he's looking at the pager and now people that notice it are acting funny exactly and it's a little bit too schmaltzy at the beginning but that kind of pays off when you get to the island and it's all removed and it's just him there so Bartek having to re when was the last time you watched it I think the last time was six years ago I think I talked about it in a uni class in a university class so yes, how I'm educated uh, he has an education in Castaway. Yes, I barely passed that class, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> so, how did you feel watching it again for this? Um, Yeah, I think I've watched this film a few more times than you have. Uh, so, I definitely do get that thing of, like, you know, I remember how it goes. Um, I remember, mm. that, yeah, there's the beginning and ending quarter where it's not on the island and it's really just the middle half of the film. Mm. Uh, but I'm always keen to just re-watch it and see... I guess see that contrast between the not island and the island scenes because there's a lot going on there. Like you said, it's bare bones. Um, and I think, yeah, it's bare bones with a really strong purpose because of what he's going through, what he went through, and just everything connects. Yeah, it really is one of those... Uh... It's just a bare bones type of movie. You're just watching a guy tr learn and try to survive and eventually go mad. And it's simple. It doesn't try to be... Outside of the music, honestly, it doesn't try to be this big, grandiose, philosophically deep character study of a thing. It doesn't overstate that. It just is that. But the music is very, like... It, it does a lot of the heavy lifting with how simplistic it is as well. but uh, And how absent it is for a very long time. And, and yeah, and when it does come in, it comes in very quietly and slowly and it kind of sneaks up on you. And that, and I love, I love the music, but I think it does a lot of the big, grandiose, heavy lifting. Because this 
film has a lot going on with also not too much going on. But I really appreciated that, you know, this film is just him trying to survive on an island. It doesn't feel like they're going heavy-handed with metaphors and themes. Those things are in there. Mm. But it doesn't feel like, like at the beginning, it doesn't feel like it's thickly layered on there. Like, it doesn't feel like we've just got this thick layer of frosting of themes and metaphors throughout the movie. The, the beginning... A little bit too heavy for my hand. I was like, is Spielberg directing this? It felt very Spielberg at the start. Hmm. In terms of that whole, you know, Tom Hanks-Spielberg relationship. And, uh, you know, Zemeckis and Spielberg have worked together before. They're, they're friends. They've got a lot of similarities. They kind of have over- overlap. Like, some people do Some people do mistake that Spielberg was, was the one who did Back to the Future, if they don't know. Like, okay. that kind of, you know, like, there's hmm. a lot of bleed over between the two. So... That's not necessarily a criticism against Zemeckis, but it did feel... Oh, Spielberg, but it did feel a little bit too schmaltzy at the beginning and a little bit too thick on. But throughout the rest of the movie, even when he comes back, it feels much more tame and mature and brutal. This is literally... Do you want to watch Tom Hanks get punished for two and a half hours? Nearly two and a half hours. Do you just want to see him get punished constantly? constantly he's getting shit on in this movie and you just say yes i do nice guy tom hanks yes i do want to see him get punished and it is both cathartic to see him get punished but also very tragic because you want him to overcome these things right Mm. but at the same time you know you want to see him fuck up because that's the whole thing. You want to see him fuck up so that he can overcome them. Yeah, I think... I can't remember where I read it, but um, somewhere I read online that was talking about this film mentioned that before he was on the island, he didn't have all the time in the world, but he had all the resources to do everything he needed. And then when he was on the island, it's the opposite. He has all the time he needs, but not all the resources. Yeah, he has no power over anything, as he states later in the movie. So now that he's got time to do whatever he needs to do, which in this case is not die, live. (laughs) uh, And escape, eventually. And escape. He's stuck. He is stuck. So... Was there... uh, Oh, okay. So, what scenes early on in the movie really kind of were effective for you? Any kind of set piece or little moments in the beginning, like, uh, you know, once he's on the island or even before, that really kind of got to you? Because for me, I really loved the sound design for when the plane crashed and him lifting up with the raft in the water and slowly going towards the sound like my speakers were fucking banging with that i like i've never noticed how great the sound was like the visuals are good you know they're good they're decent you got the lightning effects which were very epilepsy inducing but Mm -hmm. the sound was really striking for me at that very at the crash in the crash sequence and him escaping from the plane and going to the island anything like that for you in the First, like in the uh, starting well, point. Well, that that definitely because again, it's another big contrasting point. As soon as we're done with that sequence, we've just basically got like an hour and a bit of ambient yeah. sound design. <laughs> um, and yeah, I watched it with subtitles, and like it did like tell me what the people were saying, but I was like, Jesus, it really is hard to hear. Yeah, yeah, it's very intense. I really loved it. Um. I guess because I knew what came later, like there was the part where his friend tells him about how 
uh, his wife or something is dying. Or, yeah, I don't know or, if it was his wife or daughter. I can't remember. Yeah, some, was someone dead. was... Mary. Yeah, Mary was suffering from some sort of disease and how he wanted to help her. But I, and I knew that like when he comes back, she was going to be gone. So yeah, I was like, yeah. oh man, it really is it's setting up for tragedy. Yeah, it's true. I felt a bit weird about that because... Tom Hanks does want to help him. Like, at the beginning, he's like, I, I'll, you know, when I get back, I'll, I'll find the doctor's number and I'll give it to you and whatever. And then at the end, it's kind of like he's apologizing for not doing better for him and not mm. being there. And, I'm like, and I just was, like, scratching my head going, well, you, you were going to. It's not like he wasn't going to. Yeah. Like, maybe if he was, like, a bit more... I don't, I don't know. That was just one of those little... It's a Hollywood through line yeah. that I didn't buy necessarily. I was just going, well, what could you do, Tom? Yeah. You were literally going to do it, but you just didn't get the, ch- you know? Yeah. It's a complexity of the character in this non-character study film. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is a character study film, but it's just yeah. not so heavy-handed as as it could have been. I thought um, one of the earlier scenes that I did enjoy, though, was the FedEx, like, when he's getting all the packages onto the trucks and then they're driving through, was it Moscow? And yep. and there's a one truck that's been stopped because it has the clamp and he's immediately like, oh, well, clamp, well, that'll do it. And then, <laughs> all right, let's do this. And he's got everyone, like, working, getting it off of that one onto another one. I found that really well done. And, yeah, I love seeing Russian architecture and and imagery in in films like this, where you also have like the very Western FedEx van driving around in like these gorgeous buildings in the background, these gorgeous old buildings in the background, and just Tom Hanks, who is you know kind of the face of wholesome Americana kind of ideal, just standing there in his sweater, being <laughs> like, "All right, move this over here." <laughs> But I, I love it that. It is Woody voice. It is Woody voice. I mean, his voice. He's, he's only got that one voice. I mean, he no, he has two other voices. He has him doing a Polish accent in the terminal or whatever he wants to call that accent. It's, it's clearly more... I think it's supposed to be Russian or Polish. It's a mixture of the two. Mm. And his other voice is is like his bad guy voice when he, you know, does the speak slowly voice that's like the three voices of tom hanks woody which is his normal voice slow talking hanks and accent hanks that's it there are no other voices and he has a slightly off one but he gave it to his brother yeah oh yeah he gave it to his brother and maybe his son <laughs> which one oh <laughs> chet of course <laughs> what was the other one named colin colin and chet <laughs> who really are their names by the way like chet is exactly what you think he looks like and Colin is exactly what you think he looks like, too. Um, so, early survival. What were some of the little things that happened in his early days of trying to survive that really, really were fascinating or really filmed well or executed nicely for you? I loved when he was just walking and you just have that shot of his feet bleeding and he's just not reacting to it. Mm. That was really effective. Yeah, like, every... Because I knew that, like, throughout that whole sequence of the film, there wasn't going to be as much dialogue until mm. until Wilson comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, I think every time he speaks before Wilson comes in, it's just like, because there wasn't as much dialogue, you're just wondering, like, what is going through his head now? So when he does make a scream for, like, you know, hey, anyone there? Or, mm. like, he's calling for the ship. It, it's like, 
he's he's exposing himself to the audience. He's like still yeah. kind. Of, it's very distant that part of the film, but yeah, just any time he opens up, I guess. Oh come on! He was very thrilled to find that cave, and then very scared to go in that cave. Mm. I love the cave. And he yelled at nature when it was dropping coconuts. Well, he didn't know what that was. Yes. Well, nature knew what nature was. Nature knew. Nature knew all the time. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of other things. Like, I, I, I love the island. I do, too. I all, like, every time I think of the film, I think of the island. But at the same time, we never get to see really much of it. We only see, like, primarily three locations. The cave... He's where he washed up and the, 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 the top. Yeah. Well, like the bit where he climbs up to try and kill himself. Yeah. And when he's at the peak and it shows like a little, I guess. POV. POV, like pan of a, of a high angle. There is like a quarter of the island you don't see. Probably because if they showed that, it'd be like, oh, it's civilized. Maybe. But yeah, I, I found it very interesting. Like we don't get that scene where he's like exploring the jungle or like the forest, you know, like the, the shrubs and all like he's not, we don't see him go in or around. It's just kind of like, those are the three primary locations we get. Yet you still feel how big and, and empty this island is. Mm. Like we don't get any animals. Like we get sea creatures and whatever, but you don't get a bit where there's a bird. Yeah, it's yeah, it's true. Or a bit where there's insects. Even when he was in that cave, I was like, "When's the spider gonna get him?" <laughs> because there's that thing where I, it's been a while since since I've watched it, so I've forgotten some of the details. But I was like, "What's gonna fuck him up in this cave?" Oh, nothing. Oh, okay. Well, even Deep Rescue had a jump scare crab. Yeah, jump scare crab. Um, <laughs> the worst thing you get in the cave is the mud puddle that he falls asleep next to after licking it once, like a cat, and then he's like, <laughs> and Wilson giving him shit. And oh yeah, well, don't even get me started on Wilson and his fucking shit. I'm not even gonna get started on it. I would love to read the script for this because Wilson had written lines of dialogue so that Tom Hanks could better act off of them. Yeah, and so I want to was... read those lines of dialogue that Wilson <laughs> had. I want to read what smack he was saying. We want to know how antagonistic Wilson was. Yeah. Even um, and this was something I forgot about the film. The way that we um. We're introduced to the island and how we also bid farewell to it. It's both seeing it in the dark and then it fading into the dark. Like, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the technical aspects of this film are, are pretty decent. There's only, like, one or two things technically that I didn't care for. I didn't... Uh, you know, CG whale doesn't age as well, but it, it gets the point across. So that's not something I don't have a disrespect for. But I did find it odd that they chose... A lot of the nighttime scenes are clearly shot in the day, and that they've just done day for night, and I don't know why. Like, it doesn't look good. It Yeah, I feel didn't, like... I don't know, like, I know Zemeckis is a big fan of, you know, special effects and stuff. I mean, Roger Rabbit, and, and the Back to the Future movies, and Forrest Gump, obviously, but I don't get what the choice was there to do, uh, do it. I feel like there was also a couple of... Uh sequences where I feel like too much time passed between what feels like very quick things like when he sees the ship in the distance it's like really dark and then by the time he's run back to his raft and run to the water it's gotten brighter I think the logic there was it took him a while to figure it out and then it took him a little while to actually reconstruct his raft because it had been 
burst by yeah, the I coral. Yeah, I guess there might have been a passage of time. But and I feel like and he had to make a paddle and, yeah, that yeah. kind of shit. So, but yeah, you could have communicated that better, I guess. I, I Yeah, I just... Just some of those little technical things, you just go, why did they do that? One of the things that I was surprised by, but not actually, was... I didn't notice this, but a lot of the sound had to be redone in post because of the natural noise of the island was too... You know, they couldn't salvage the sound really because of the waves and the, the wind and all of that. So a lot of it is done in post. And like I said, I didn't notice. I thought the sound was really good in this movie. Like, yeah. you don't notice the ADR of this movie. At least I didn't. It's just kind of seamless. Mm. And I think that was one of the real strengths for me on a technical level was the sound because movies like this where you have this bombastic sound with a crash and you know, Moscow and all that and then you strip it away and you have the ambience of a very quiet location seemingly doesn't seem like there's a lot going on but when you read the behind the scenes where they have to redo it all and all of that and you have to be it's really masterful to get the right level of ambience in a location like that because you don't want to be too much but you also you don't want it to be nothing because then that's weird yeah and noticeable they do the right amount see these are the things that are great about a movie like this in which you don't notice these things and that's meaning in that that means it's doing a good job there's been movies we've talked about before with bad sound stuff in them like the dark knight rises a movie also done by an accomplished director yet the sound in that movie was really noticeable noticeable and bad and very in your face when it doesn't need to be this movie has moments where it needs to be and it doesn't need to be and it's still like seamless you don't really focus on it but if you if you do you notice that it's just really well done yeah i feel like the only time it would have been like all right to have it be like less done so it'd be weird would be like when he's afraid of like oh is there something in the bushes that's knocking the coconuts down but even then i feel like it was consistent all throughout and it was just the context of the scene made it tense since we're talking about, uh, I guess, uh, you know, we're talking about flaws or stuff like that, are there any negatives that you do have for this this movie? Because I only have a few, but I still think that this is a, just a great film. Like, this is just a solid, well-made movie. But I do have a few things that just, like I said, the intro kind of is a bit too Hollywood for me. What about you? Especially you being a fan of this, do mm. you have any kind of negatives or, or kind of things that you just kind of go, eh? Not really as much, no. I guess there was just, like, the awkwardness of, like we were saying, the communication of the passage of time. Uh, in general, I have a really good experience all the time with this film. Yeah. Uh, do you think... Uh, so how do you feel about... Because um, I'll talk about my flaws in a minute, but this is something that is divisive of a choice and this is deliberate the cut forwards in time and he's fully crazy you're talking to wilson the the four years later thing. yeah the four years later and am i crazy i think it was in the trivia but i swear that in my brain having watched it a bunch of times i swear that there's a scene in which we see him try to kill himself right i swear that's in a version of this movie i think in the in the trivia they said that was in the original theatrical cut where we got to see a scene in which he tested it out and whatever but 
In my brain, I remember that scene, but in my watching of it, it wasn't there this time. I'm not too sure. Like, other than my first viewing, which was on TV, I've only ever watched it off this one DVD copy. Mm. I remember in the trivia, it said something like, in one of the versions of the film, the they don't have the explanation of, like, I know where we can get 30 feet of rope from. Mm. And then it's it just randomly him finding rope on the peak, which that would have been awkward, but... I, I don't have any recollection of seeing a, an attempted suicide or or, um, or someone online talking about it. Yeah, I think it was in the IMDb trivia that they said in the original theatrical and VHS release that was there. But uh, it's a divisive, like, it's a very bold choice to, you know, suddenly you cut four years later and, you know, he's fully crazy, you know, he's, he's lost it. And he's got this system in place now that we didn't get to see get created. It's already been created. Mm. I think it's a good, bold choice. But it is one that, you know, it's basically a reset of the movie. Like, you're, you're now being introduced to a, what is it, basically a new character. Like, Crazy Hanks. Yeah. And Wilson. Wilson's, like, I know he's talking. Wilson has hair. Wilson, well, he has a crown, at least. <laughs> That's what I think of it as, his little crown. But, uh, you know, Wilson's a character now. Like, he was being talked to before, but he wasn't really, you know, anything. But now in this, it's a bold choice. But Wilson's responding now. Yeah, with me, when it comes to flaws in this movie, they're they're just very sparse. And they're not really flaws. They're just things that, if it was the the classic, if it was me, like, I would have taken that guy's clothes off of his body when he washed up. Like, the belt? Yeah. Yeah. How useful would that belt have been? That, that is actually true, the belt, at least. Like, he just took his shoes, the pants. Wouldn't you want to take his pants? Like, mm. think what you could do with that material, because by the end of it, Tom Hanks is just, like, in a little loincloth. Yes, he needs some modesty. Well, no, it's just, not just for that, but he you see what he's done with the, his clothes. He's used it for bandages and for other things, like... That guy had, like, a full outfit, and he was just like, oh, I gotta bury him. If it was me... Like, this isn't an actual negative critique of the movie, but if it was me, I would have taken those clothes straight away. Not just his fucking shoes. Like, could you imagine how useful the socks would have been? You could have used those for a bunch of things. Like, this is where my brain goes. Like, I'm like, ugh. It's like, he's... He has to gather whatever he can find to use, and he's just put some resources underground. And you can tell this guy grew up nowhere near a beach before. Because there's, like, a wave coming at him, and he has enough time to make sure that that wave doesn't fuck him up, and he just lets it fuck him up. Like, not only (laughs) did he get fucked up when he was on the raft, and that's destroyed, but he has enough time, like, dude, just dunk under the water. The wave won't fuck you up as bad, if at all. But he's like, oh, like, he has enough time to do something. I'm like, he's from Memphis, so it's okay. Yeah, that's true. He loves Elvis. (laughs) He does. (laughs) Um... Uh, speaking of the waves, I do like how, through the visual language of the film, you do get a sense of the wave as being a sort of antagonist. It's definitely the barrier he has to overcome. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's that threat. It's the threshold, Bartek. Mm. The threshold. No, it's wave, though. No, we're not doing that movie. We already did the wave. It's a, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a diavela. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you looked at me with that look of, shit. He's referencing the he's referencing the movie, um. But I don't really have any flaws with. It. I think the acting from everyone is very top notch. Like when we do go back, his wife Helen Hunt, she's great in this movie, and you feel so sorry. Fiance Ryan. Yeah, sorry, not 
not fiance. He's not fiance. His future wife. You feel so sorry for her. You know, she's great yeah. in the movie because you think of this movie is it's just Tom Hanks. But it's not just Tom Hanks. There's other people in the movie. And they do a great job. Because I think most people think that this is a movie where he just sees, he's on the island, then he gets off the island and he delivers a package and that's it. Like, no, no, you have a whole like 25 minute chunk there or 30 minute chunk there where he's like him and his wife, like his girlfriend dealing with the fact that they can't be together. Mm. It's like really depressing and mature and, and it's very sad and wholesome and Tom Hanks is there being Tom Hanks and it's amazing. But uh, I don't think I really have any other, like any real flaws with this movie. I just think some of the technical things don't line up or hold up as well. Like, you know, some of the composite backgrounds could be a little bit better looking or the day for night stuff. I don't know why they did that, honestly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's talk about Hanks himself though. How big of a fan of Tom Hanks are you as an actor? Like of him, like, are you a big fan? Uh, I'd say that when I think of him, I think of myself as a fan. He's not someone that I would always bring up and I'm like, oh, actors I love, but definitely like everything I've seen him in, I've really enjoyed. He's in three of your favorites, Forrest Gump, this and Toy Story. Well, just to remind you, I love the Forrest Gump book. But you like the movie. I like the movie, but I love the book is my big thing when I bring up Forrest Gump. I know, but you also talk about how you like them. You love them. It's it's one of the movies you talk about a lot. Like if we rewind the podcast and go through (laughs) every time you brought up the Forrest Gump movie as well. But you love him in Forrest Gump. Yeah, I do. And you love him as Woody, and you love him in this. He's kind of a recurring figure in your life. Because I'm trying to think of what other big actors that recur in movies that you love as much as Tom Hanks in my understanding of movies that you like. Like I, these I are the three movies, those three movies you constantly bring up. And what other actors is like as continuous as Tom Hanks? I really like Jake Gyllenhaal. You do like Jake. Yeah. Yet you never reference any of his movies. Well, South Boy fights with his left hand. Southpaw. Yeah. I thought you just said South Boy. <laughs> South Boy. He was a South Boy, I, I still think. haven't seen South Paw. I remember it being good. Nightcrawler, though. That's, Nightcrawler's that's where the great. real shit is. Uh, broke back, of was course. Everest? I haven't seen Everest. Mm-hmm. You, was an Everest. Um, but, uh, yeah, Hanks. I love Hanks. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? I love Big. That's one of my... F- I love the I've film always, Big. I've always wanted to see Big. Oh, dude, we should do big at some point, right after robots. <laughs> but, um, I love big robots. I love uh, <laughs> Wobots Christmas, but I love, <laughs> I love big, and I love Tom Hanks. Of course, I love the Toy Story movies, and Woody's always my favorite character in the Toy Story movies. Woody's the one that holds it all together. Like I know some people didn't like Toy Story four, but I love Toy Story four because it just gave me more Woody, and I'm like, yay, Woody's here, and. I just, I, I, he's one of those actors that, yeah, I am surprised that I love him so much, but he's basically the modern day Jimmy Stewart, Mr. Nice Guy, Hollywood Guy, but he can play some scumbags at periods. So, like, he's a scumbag at the beginning of this movie. He's not the greatest person, he's a little selfish. But I love him. He's just got, like, the warm personality that he, he brings to all of his roles. I, I think. He he's also his filmography is filled with just bangers. Like there's rarely any duds in there. Like there's a few mm. hologram for the king. Like he's a real big hard on for Elvis. I don't know. Like that's just a real life thing about Tom Hanks. But he just seems like a cool dude, and he is one of those actors that does deserve being one of the most you know acclaimed actors with these awards and stuff because he won an Oscar for this. Yeah, 
He was nominated for this. Oh, he, th- was this the one where it was the last time he was nominated? Or did he get I think the trivia nominated said, for Captain Phillip? No, I think the trivia said that this is his second most recent nomination, and then there was the Mr. Rogers thing recently. Oh, that's right. He did get nominated for that. I can't remember if it was Sully or Captain Phillips, because those were two big movies he did recently as well. Fairly recently. Yep. He should have he should have won for big. <laughs> the movie in which he plays a twelve year old boy or like fourteen year old boy who grows up to be a huge adult version of Tom Hanks, but Tom Hanks plays it like he's a six year old boy. It's very confusing. I've only seen one scene from it. I wanna see the the, whole thing. the piano scene. The the scene where he's singing and the kid looks upset. Oh, okay. Not the famous scene where he's like playing the piano, like the keyboard on the on the floor? No. That's iconic. You haven't seen... You haven't, you haven't even seen... Oh, boy. That's no. in, it's referencing The Simpsons. Oh, shit. I know what The Simpsons is. Homer plays it, I'm pretty sure. It's one with the yellow people, right? Y- y- <laughs> yes, but I guess the one with the... I reluctantly have to say yes, it's the one with the yellow people. Oh, wow. Apu and Carl are so upset that you said yes. And Bumblebee Man. Why did you bring up Carl? Isn't he black? Yeah, I immediately thought of 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 um of a guest car. The <laughs> yes, yeah, the assistant. Because we've talked about that character a lot on the podcast. Because we've had what's his name, um, uh, Harvey Firestein on yeah. the podcast. Uh, <laughs> he was a good guest. Hanks, he's the man, and I got to com- you got to com- you got to commend him for how much effort he put into this movie. He had to gain weight, he had to lose weight, he had to grow out his hair. I always forgot that that's like his real hair and beard or whatever, and he's like blonde. Yeah, I'm not sure I knew that that was his real hair until I read the trivia for this episode. And he's blonde, like, like I don't know. They didn't say that he dyed it. They're like, that's his real blonde hair or whatever. I'm like, he's blonde. He really is Chet's dad. He's Chet's dad. Like, who knew, huh? Um, (laughs) So, what else do we want to talk about with the film Castaway? What are the big, big moments that stick out to you? There's obviously the home dentistry scene. Iconic. Mm. It ends the first chapter of the movie. He, he He's so traumatised by it that four years pass by. I would be. Could you imagine having to remove one of your own fucking teeth with an ice skate? Yeah, with the intensity. Could you Im- I would want to fucking be zoned out for four years. Yeah, with the intensity of, like, if you put, like, a gun in your mouth and were, like, going to shoot, but you, like, hesitate, like... <gasps> dude, dude, seriously, would you want to do it? <laughs> no. Fuck no. Tom Hanks sells that, man. And he does that, like, as soon as he explains, like, oh, I, I avoided the dentist like a plague, and now I have to do this. I would give anything for one now. Oh. And then the wife married, uh, his girlfriend married the, his one of his dentists that he had in the past. Yeah. Not the dentist, not, not Spalding. Not Spalding. Uh, that what was a great it, joke. It was. I, I got it. I didn't. Um, Spalding Grey, but I was like, come on. The iconic spoken word guy that we had for that Dolly Parton movie as the psychiatrist on on the TV right Spalding Gray we we Been literally since straight talk <laughs> far out <Martin. laughs> I was uh, getting the song in my so, head so <laughs> so what what are big survival moments in the film really like get to are there any that get to you like any like oof moments no, like yeah when he eats the raw fish and it's like Argh. um I do like, again, I keep putting up contrast, but, like, when he first tries to spear a fish and he just, like, completely eats shit, just trips in the water, and then four years later, it's like, oh, look at this little fishy, and just, boom. 
immediately. Immediate. And then you get to look at him and it's, yeah, like you said, a completely new character. I mean, did you not go, ooh, when he fucks up his hand when he's trying to start the fire? Mm. And then he creates Wilson? <laughs> the, the whole handprint? The whole scene where he has an argument with Wilson, throws him out and then like desperately looks for him and then reconciles. Mm. I think that was the scene I talked about with the university class. If you had to give... Okay, if you had to hire an actor to mm-hmm. be the voice of Wilson, say that they did the dumb thing and made Wilson speak, mm-hmm. who, as an... What actor that was alive in the two, in that time would you have hired? I know mm. immediately my answer. Jim Hanks. that actually would be amazing no you hire um um what's his name from seinfeld bad men bad men oh oh, (laughs) brian Brian george George. (laughs) yeah and he does his jeffrey rush voice (laughs) um i would hire just to give you some time i would hire niles from the guy who plays niles david hyde pierce niles from frazier i immediately would hire him because if there's any smug voice that would come out of wilson it would be that motherfucker (laughs) and he would be and if he would just be like you remember that time that you tested that and it didn't work and he's like shut up shut up i would hire him immediately no questions asked niles from fucking Frasier and he would just play his character from fucking Frasier and or the Simpsons that one time mm-hmm. or t- two or three times actually when he played um what was it S- uh, Cecil Cecil oh yes Bob I was on Mars with my fingers in my ears <laughs> Bartek come on well since I definitely know this guy was around how about Tim Allen <laughs> <laughs> and it's just Toy Story again <laughs> <laughs> He's just doing his Buzz Lightyear voice. Or Jim Varney. Oh man, Jim Varney would be an excellent choice. Why not why not get fucking Jerry Stiller while you're at it? <laughs> Mr. Potato Head, fucking as Wilson. That would have been Don great. Rickles? Oh sorry, Don Rickles. Sorry, sorry. Jerry Stiller was not in Toy Story, unfortunately. I was like, oh, was he in Toy Story? Don Rickles, you should have got Don Rickles. Ali Ermy. Oh man, Ali Ermy would have been great. He would have motivated him. I love um we we could have also have chosen another iconic actor to have done it, Daniel Day-Lewis, so that he could also have been nominated for an Oscar that year for doing a voice. I would have loved it. So then him and Hanks can keep competing for who gets the Oscars because they're like the two big actors of that of their era that are like, ah, another Oscar, huh? Or another Oscar nomination or Meryl Streep. She did Meryl Streep to do it. She could do fucking anything. <laughs> when that time she was the voice of Wilson, get fucking Seth MacFarlane to do it. Yeah, I mean, fucking voice man. Yeah, you know, maybe Wilson's the last name. Maybe it's not the first name. How do you feel about Wilson as a thing? Because it's grown beyond the movie at mm. this point. It's iconic. How do you feel about it, though? Uh, I think it's... I really, really like Wilson. Just the whole idea of a personified thing that only matters to one person but it mattered so strongly that it got these strong you know reactions out of him i really enjoy that about it did you feel for wilson i think yes when when little bartek was blubbering to sleep after watching castaway i think i really felt for wilson so did you cry at a wilson moment is that what you yeah when at? wilson was himself being cast away from the raft so that's what you cried at huh? yeah oh wow okay neat fun fact my wife cried during this movie 
she cried at the bit where he had to take his former girlfriend back home and he says, it's time for you to go back home. Mm. She was like crying her eyes out because it was she she fell for the emotional relationship, but you were like, no, not the inanimate object with the face on it that we barely got to know. Wilson! And we only knew him as a dick. Well, it wasn't me that got to know him. It was someone else. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wrestled with this because I think I've watched the movie knowing the big thing, of like the big cultural thing of Wilson, but it's always that thing of... Like, we talked about this in the Terminator review. Mm-hmm. Would, if we didn't have, like, for myself at least, have this cultural osmosis, would I have felt anything about this aspect of the story as strongly? Like, would I have been thinking heavily about the Wilson aspect of this story if it wasn't for the cultural osmosis? And I don't honestly think so, because my attention as a viewer of this now, and even at other times, has been more drawn towards other aspects of the movie that aspect of the movie is there but like i said it's it's not like it's later in the movie and it's not as developed as as one may believe it could have been if you haven't seen the movie before and you know about wilson you're thinking the whole movie is about him and wilson chatting and doing you know having a but not really there's only like a few scenes of it it's many has gone it's mainly all implications which is good. That's not a complaint. It's just one yeah. of those things I wonder if I would even give a second thought about after having watched the movie. Like, would that be a, be a thing I would take away from the film after viewing it? I think I would take away, you know, all the times he fucked up or the crash or his relationship drama. Mm. Those are the... Or when he gets off the island or when he gets saved by the boat or the whale even. Those are things that kind of linger more with me than Wilson... Yeah, I, I know with me, it's like when I first watched the film and I was a kid, um, my second viewing wasn't until like way later. I think I might have might have been in year 10, year 11 at that point when I watched it the second time. Mm. And I remember it was when I was in either year 9 or year 10. I was in just like a drama class. We were doing improvisation mm. um, and we were doing a scene where we had to be upset. And, you know, all of us, since we were young, we were just pulling out whatever. And at one point I just yelled out, Wilson. It was like the first time I thought of... <laughs> Wilson, well, not the first time because it stuck with me, but like the first time I really mentioned it out loud, and I was just like, "Yeah, that was a good movie. I should rewatch that sometimes." <laughs> and even at that point, I didn't really hear Castaway being talked about that much for some reason. So I guess I never really considered how big of uh, like a like an impact it had on pop culture or anything like that. So when I mm. made the Wilson reference in the drama class, I was like, "Does anyone even know what I'm talking about with this?" I think that's one of the things too. And again, this is me. This is me generalizing, but I think a byproduct of this genre of movie, the survival type movie, mm. this 127 hours, big movies, acclaimed movies, movies people love dearly, but and they do have staying power. But do they have as much staying power as other films like mm. Forrest Gump or or for Franco, like the Spider-Man movies or whatever? Not necessarily, and I think that's just a byproduct of how bare bones the films are. Yeah, I think with just not much happens, but it's about the emotional intensity of watching someone overcome an element, the elements, or a certain dangerous situation. Because I saw 127 Hours one time, same, and I've never really given it much thought. But every now and then, an element will pop up in my brain, Mm. and I like that Danny Boyle. He's a great filmmaker, but. And same with Castaway, like every now and then an element will pop up in my brain, but 
those are both great films, and I think just by the byproduct of how bare bones and survival they are, they don't have as much big staying power, but they are still great movies and well-made movies and well-acted films. Yeah, it's like, I think you even began the episode with this. This is one of those movies that you just got to check out at some point, because you just... The, the the staying power has to be that you've seen it and know how it plays out, not just that you know what happens. Exactly. It's... Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Uh, uh, um, I'm just trying to think what else we want to talk about, because there is a lot. Do you want to talk about when he actually starts sailing away on his little raft? Yeah, I mean, I guess, again, this is another, like, contrast or development point. Like, he had an attempt earlier on where and everything went to shit because that mean old antagonist, Divelle, uh <laughs> knocked him out. But now, um, and oh, I guess this ties into like this little hope spot of the film. Like, you never know what the tide's going to bring in. They they give him a sail, which is yeah. these two large bits of plastic. It's technically just one bit joined together. Yeah. It's like a corner two piece. Two sides, yeah. It's, it's like part of a porter potty portaloo thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot what it was until it rushed. I remember that it comes in, but I forgot, like, oh, is this from the plane? Like, that was where my brain was like, and then it's like, no, 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 this is something else. Mm. Uh, yeah, so when, when, when we see him even just preparing the raft, like, you can see, like, his, his brain's on overdrive. He's using skills that, like, part of it's his survival instincts, part of it is, like, his actual thought process. Like, he does a bunch of big mathematics throughout the film. He's a sailing expert, as we saw in a quick visual shot in which it's pictures of him and boats and a little diploma letting you know that he knows boats. So if you're confused as to why he can suddenly make a boat and sail, (laughs) that's your explanation. It was when he was sleeping, too. (laughs) It's not like he has a vibe of a guy who knows any of that, especially when, you know, he doesn't know how to get over a wave already uh, whatever that's just me again that's just me being a nitpicker you, i guess you can't, you can't he fight can't the even, wave you can only join it he yeah he can't even figure out waves but he's a sailing expert <laughs> you know whatever well like you said he didn't grow up near a beach he didn't grow up near a beach ever. yeah he was in memphis he only knew elvis he only knew the beach from elvis songs honestly yeah and elvis movies where he was at the beach that's kind of it i like that um after he gets back home or, or to civilization uh there are there's a like quick three callbacks to his time on the island like when he mm. sees the the giant i think it was like a king crab leg and it's like wow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so big and i can have all of this but when i was on the island i struggled to even get just a tiny one and also just this is all i've eaten probably like this is mostly what i've eaten so i never want to have yeah, one know, of these again we know there's coconut fish crabs that's it. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, like. Coconut's w- a natural laxative, as mm. he points out. Well, the water is. No, he's like, coconut, it's a, it's a natural uh, laxative. Well, That's why he doesn't want to eat it all the time. Yeah, true. I hate coconut water anyway. Is it water or milk? I, I've heard it be called milk, I guess. Milk thing. <laughs> milk thing. <laughs> uh, and then immediately after that, there's him in the bed where like he's turning on the lamp to look at the yeah. photo. And he's laying on the floor because he's no longer comfortable with the comfort of a mattress. Yeah, and it's like, oh, now I have a bigger light and much more convenient. And Oh, and the little lighter, the little self-lighter thing at the dinner table as well, where he's like, ah, oh, I can make fire this easily, yes, huh? Yes, yes. I was struggling to write, what was the third thing? That was it. Yeah, the the long pole torch thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's all back-to-back, those three things, primarily. Yes. 
It's his nostalgia. I mean, would you get in a plane again? Like, there's a bit in the... There's, like, four weeks later, and he's in a plane getting a fucking drink. And I'm like, would you ever get in a plane again? I, I guess he wasn't over the ocean, as we saw. But would you ever but... get in a plane? Like, I would never get in a plane again. <laughs> ever. Fucking, I would have a p- fucking PTSD. Yeah. I would yeah. I would have b- believed it if he was, like, in a train or something, and then Unbreakable happened. But, like... <laughs> I that again. There's little things like that. Where I'm like, ah, oh, I guess he's fine because he didn't seem rattled. On the, he just kind of seemed like he's determined to see her again. Yeah, honestly, we. I mean, I guess we could say the whole ending was, but like, when we saw him on the plane, he was shaven in a suit. He and had a nice haircut. A nice haircut. He kind of seemed like he was relatively back into the swing of things. And then when he was going to go meet her, and he met Chris, um, Chris Noth. Or Noth, I can't remember how it's pronounced. And then he was like, "What the fuck?" Mm. There she is. When they when he's um in his little dinghy, his little raft. What do you think of the recurring thing of the whale coming in, blowing water on him to help him realize the thing? Because that was a little too Hollywoody for me. Mm. The the magical mystical whale. I guess they couldn't get a magical mystical black guy for the movie, <laughs> so they had to get a fucking whale. <laughs> <laughs> Whales are the magic black guys of the ocean. <laughs> That's what they say. I mean, either them or fucking squids. If you watched a shark, a shark tale, the the Rastafarian squid guys, jellyfish. Sorry, jellyfish. jellyfish. Yes. How fucking dare I? I hope your brother Oscar doesn't get mad at me. He's an expert no, at the game. He'll be mad that you called it a shark tale. A shark tale. <laughs> Instead of fucking doing that. <laughs> you didn't call it fishtail this time. <laughs> I was almost tempted to say a toy story as well, by the way. A story of toys. A toy story. Uh, but what did you think about that? The whale stuff? Uh, I guess, I mean, it, its purpose was mainly served, I reckon, right in the last bit where it like, alerted to him, like, hey, look at the big ship. But uh... It had two other appearances, though, where it did something. Yeah, it was all in that ending. It helped sequence, him find though, right? out. Yeah, it helped him find out Wilson left. Mm. And it was that when he first saw it, and it gave him a little wink. When he saw its eyeball, and it like blinked, mm. and then it went under the water, which is technically a wink because we only saw one eye <laughs> closed, so it's a wink. We never saw the full thing. We never saw it. We never saw its other eye. It could be one-eyed it could be a cyclops whale mm. but for me i felt it a little too schmaltzy but you have a bit more of an attack like you have a you're, you're easier you're a little bit more you, you you sway more easily to kind of that schmaltzy sentimentality of hollywood kind of things more than i do yeah i reckon so i'm a little bit more cynical where i'm just like jenny's a fucking slut in forest gump but i hate her and you're like oh come on ryan she's a free spirit and i'm like Ugh. she's got a double n in her name Jenny, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um, I was worried. Again, this is how good the movie. This is how good the movie is at hooking you. I was worried that he wasn't gonna get found by the boat. I was thought he was just gonna fucking sleep through it. And I was like, Hanks, I was like, literally, Hanks, wake up, wake up, Hanks. And then he did, and I was really happy for him. I was like, oh, thank God. And he was like, gasping. And he said, the the Kelly. Kelly. Well, even if he didn't wake up, we eventually saw that there were some sailors on it. But maybe they wouldn't have seen him if he wasn't waving at them. I think they, I think they were looking at him. This was before but, he waved. No, no, we didn't see them until he was already like looking up and has his hand extended. 
Oh, was that not just its own shot? It was like the ship was moving, and then we had it, a front shot of him right, doing yeah. that. But he was already lifting up his hand, and then we hear what he's saying. Mm. Zemeckis did it again. What did you think, though, as an adult? Did you appreciate the uh, the very adult drama going on between him and his girlfriend uh, once he does get back home? Mm. Because... You know, being an adult now and having a greater appreciation for film and understanding of, you know, adult dynamics of relationships and stuff like that. Did you have a finer appreciation for that maturity going on? Because I did mm-hmm. once he got back. I found that really, really emotionally impactful. What about you? I did too. It's very much of one of those, if you love them, let them go things. And I felt mm. like the immediate follow-up of that scene where he's like, telling his friend like his real mm. emotions about it that was long continuous shot with really gut punchy lines uh, hank's crush is it got i got while well, feeling I, crushed i wish i could do his voice because the way he says okay and i got i got ice in my glass like the way he says that specific line mm. That shakiness in his voice but he also has that like nice guy tom hanks voice where you're where i'm both like so sad that he got ice, but also I'm just like, eh, ice, like in his glass. Like, it's so simple. Mm. Uh, that monologue, dude. Fuck. That was brutal. I, I, But I gotta agree with my wife, Rachel. That that whole dine, that scene with him and Helen Hunt at her house, and I was waiting for, like, this is, again, because it was so Hollywood, but I was surprised they didn't do it. I was surprised that the hand towel he was wiping his face on wasn't the one he gave her as a present that right, he apologized. Right, I was waiting yeah. for that payoff but it wasn't there and i was kind of glad like i was also waiting for some dumbass payoff to his swiss army knife keychain like at the end he just like grabs out the knife and he just goes like that's it that's the payoff it's just him like going yeah i own this like i could have this could have been helpful or i own this it's more of a payoff that he has a car who knew that would be a payoff huh the famous the famous car he owns yeah the, the scene should have played out as they go to the garage there's just a little table with the pager he gave her, and then she just calls a page. They use the pager call a taxi. Mm, that would have been neat. <laughs> so get out! I really, yeah, I found their 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 whole thing uh, like in another movie. I would have found it cheesy that he drove off and she ran after him, and he reverses, and they get in the car. Then he drives her up the driveway and dumps her back. But it was so well done because those two actors just acting their asses off, and they're like fucking drenched in water and like. And it's real fucking water. Yeah. There's not these CGI bullshit water that they do in modern movies or in modern Zemeckis movies. Like, remember in Allied when they have fucking sex in a car during a sandstorm and it's just like an excuse for them to have CGI nonsense? I remember a sandstorm. There's a sandstorm. I swear it's Allied. (laughs) I'm not crazy. I swear there is. But, uh, yeah, this movie's emotional. What do you think about the ending, though? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's one of those endings where it's like, and we end on Tom Hanks's beautiful face, yeah, cut I, to black, I guess, or fade <laughs> to black. I guess I forgot exactly how it ended. I knew that it was at the crossroads, and I knew that he talked to the woman, but I didn't remember exactly how it ended. But see, I always remember that it just ends with Tom Hanks's beautiful, beautiful, sweet face, looking in the direction of Canada, looking at us. We're Canada, eh? 
You, we are Canada. <laughs> <laughs> like that was a scare for you. <laughs> Whoa! It's like I, I was a Scooby Doo villain and I'd mask myself and like, oh my god, Canada oh. and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> well, what do you think about that? Because I think it is what I've always complained on the pod about. Like, I don't like. I'm not always huge into movies where it just like, and then the movie just ends yeah fate to black directed by robert zemeckis but i like it it works here because we've spent nearly two and a half hours with this guy and we know that he's going to pursue something whether it's her or not we know via tom hanks and his acting that he's happy and he's going to do something with his life whether it's go after her or not it's up to you Mm. but we know from just hanks pure hanks that things are going to be all right. He's doing what he does best in this film. Being I don't quiet. Ne- I don't need a scene where it's like, and then he got the promotion at FedEx, and now he's <laughs> the president, and now he's made it safe that planes go over the ocean, and he stopped nine eleven single handedly with his tie. Like I don't need a heroic ending with the belt that he stole at some point. Oh my god! No, no. If that scene played out for five seconds longer, he would have said, "I'm gonna go make sweet babies with that sweet lady." That's what Tom Hanks said. Oh, yeah. he just did a fart, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you hear a slide whistle, and then the movie ends, and he blushes. <laughs> And that's our cast, by everyone. We we both recommend the movie. <laughs> and then it's just directed by Robert Zemeckis and just booing characters. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's wooing. Wooing happens, not booing. Wooing. Because Robert Zemeckis will allow himself to be booed. It would be, woo! 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 Just one woo. <laughs> not a series of people wooing. It's just this one on a loop. <laughs> Um, actually, before we do end this, yes. I want to talk about Zemeckis himself. Sure. Zemeckis is a weird guy, so he's really become obsessed with special effects, which has always been throughout his movies with Roger Rabbit, uh, you know, the blending of the, you know, the, the animation with the live action. We've got Back to the Future movies with all their special effects and doodads and, and uh, this movie with the minimal amount it has. And of course, Forrest Gump iconic and several others but since this movie he's like gone fully down that rabbit hole so to give you a list of movies Bartek he did Polo Express Mm -hmm. the one where Tom Hanks is a creepy CGI man and he plays like literally every character in the movie yeah including children (laughs) he's the main kid in the movie like the voice yeah it's Tom Hanks are you fucking with me? I'm not. I swear <laughs> to you that the main kid is Tom Hanks and Polo Express. He's everyone. Okay. He's basically every character in that movie. But and then he did um, the A Christmas Carol, the one with Jim Carrey as the CGI Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beowulf. He did that movie Beowulf where Angelina Jolie was a CGI creature. And... And he's just gone down this weird rabbit hole in which he's like, I've got to do everything with CG. I've got to do everything, like, time efficient. I'm going to do this. Allied had unnecessarily, unnecessary CG elements. I swear there's a sandstorm in that movie that doesn't need to fucking be there. But he's just fallen into this disarray since this movie and a part of the reason why people think that this happened was it seemed like Robert Zemeckis went into some kind of despair because he had to wait like a year or so for Tom Hanks to lose all this weight and shoot the movie again and grow hair right and grow hair and do all that and it's kind of like Zemeckis has been it's kind of it feels like Zemeckis 
was traumatized from this and he's like, I'm never again, never again am I going to wait that long. I've got to put CGI Steve Carell. And he's great. Like, I love the films of Zemeckis, but his modern films are nearly unwatchable because of just how he has to force these CG elements in there. And he's just become one of those directors. Like, you know how James Cameron used to make good movies? Hmm. And now he's like, I'm about the effects. I'm about pushing the barrier. Million avatars. Like, a million avatars we'll never fucking see. Remember Avatar and how boring that movie actually is? But it was about the effects. Hmm. Remember when James Cameron just made good movies? Like Aliens and fucking True Lies and even Titanic to an extent. How was that? Terminator. Or Terminator. And Terminator 2, Judgment Day. (laughs) But... There are some directors like this, and unfortunately Zemeckis has become one of those. And I just find it weird that Castaway is kind of like one of the last movies that you could point to and go, oh, remember when Zemeckis wasn't like a crazy man who just does CGI nonsense? Apparently they CG'd out a highway on the island. Good. I know that is good, but it's, it's uh, no, weird to le- think about. Leave it. No, I, yeah. But like he did this movie called, uh, it's like a true life movie, a true story movie called like The Walk or Walk or where it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing a guy who did trapeze, not trapeze, tightrope walking across like two two buildings. Yeah, I think I remember seeing trailers for that. And he's doing a French accent and that movie's like CGI nonsense in, why? And uh, some CGI elements, uh, fucking his accent CG feels like in that movie, it's crazy. But... I miss Zemeckis. Hey, Zemeckis, I know you're listening. Fucking lay off with your fucking Welcome to Marwins and shit. Get back to this kind of thing where there's minimal amount, but it actually serves story. Shoot on a fucking real island again. Not this fucking, oh, we're going to do it in a green screen room. Yes. Yeah, Hate this kind of shit. Stop being a butthead. Can you imagine them doing this movie today? And it's like fucking Chris Hemsworth stuck on an island and it's just a CGI very, green... Very- He's it's, very handsome the whole and way through. And it's one of those... You know when we watch it... You, you've watched an Avengers movie at some point, I've right? I've seen the first one. You remember how there's like they have those tiny little sets? Like the street set where there's like a taxi cab so Iron Man or Captain America can, can jump on it and hit something, but then the rest of it's like green screen nonsense? Or like Batman v Superman has... Or Man of Steel has like those tiny little real sets, but the rest of it's CG, like, green screen. Mm. That's what that... Mo- it'll, it'll be like that. It'll be like the fucking Jungle Book, in which you have some little mo- little, little sets, but the rest of it's green screen. Just Chris Hemsworth stuck on an island. Why, why did I choose Chris? Because if... Because you imagine him being schlubby to begin with, and then by the end, he's, like, ripped Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> like, they do the fat suit on him, like they did in... Or in like in uh, Avengers Endgame where they just put a fat suit or they no it's Zemeckis directing again CG fat Chris Hemsworth <laughs> that would be amazing could you imagine that and Andy Serkis is doing the motion capture for it because why not oh, does he give fat. him a <laughs> fat Chris Hemsworth give him the fucking oh man and it would be called uh, like cast away again <laughs> but it's not about the same guy cast it he away. plays Tom Hanks son that Tom Hanks didn't know he had. Like, classic. Chet's younger brother. Oh, man. Chet should play it. <laughs> He's kind of tubby. Uh, but to Castaway, obviously you recommend the film? No. Yes, I do. You do? Yeah. You I... didn't seem too sure. You, you're you not 100% on no, that. No, no, no. I'm Australian. It was nah, yeah. Oh, nah, nah, yeah, bruh. Nah, yeah, it's good. Uh, I recommend the film too. 
it's a it's a pleasurable watch for a movie that's over two hours long. The pacing of it is surprisingly good for a movie that doesn't have really much going on. You think with the pitch of a movie, it's Tom Hanks sitting in sand trying to start a fire for a good ten minutes. Sounds like it's going to be like agonizingly slow. It didn't feel like ten minutes really. No, no, it felt at least like eight. And the <laughs> and the payoff for when he does it is pretty great. It's pretty great, Bartek. Thank you for recommending Castaway. Uh, is this one of your mum's favourite movies? Or is it just one of yours? Because when I think of your big movies that you recommend on this show, there's always an attachment of my mum. So I want to know. Uh, I know she likes this. I haven't actually asked her like of her deeper opinions of it, though. I- I'd say it's more of a mine, but I-, I'm be- I should ask her. She better comment on our Facebook to let us know that it's a classic, like she does with other movies that we've done on the show, like Terminator, where she says, it's a classic. So, Bartek, it's my pick for next episode. Yeah, you've picked out a book. Uh, yeah, I wrote down a list of movies I want to do. Um, for next episode. For next episode, we're doing all of these movies. Fuck, that's a lot. Um, there's just some movies I'm like, okay, I gotta write these down. I, I need to do, I need to do these things. And I'm thinking, Bartek, uh, we're talking about Spielberg in this episode and mm-hmm. Zemeckis and special effects. Yep. A movie that I'm really keen on doing, cause it's one I've often thought about and I'm really one of those ones where I was like, will this movie be something else when I'm an adult? I want to do AI. Artificial Intelligence, the movie oh, where yeah. Haley Joel Osment plays a, a, a robot kid. I've always been curious about it. The 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 bastard child of a dead Stanley Kubrick and a Spielberg trying to live up to the legacy. Yeah. You haven't seen it? No, I've been mm. curious about it, though. I'm like, yeah, and that's good. Get your perspective as someone who hasn't seen it, seeing it for the first time as me, someone who has seen it, and it feels weird feelings about it. So next episode, AI, Artificial Intelligence. Uh, Steven Spielbergo, it has Jude Law in it. Ooh, that's a law. You do love Jude Law. We all do. Don't say, I don't know. Like, we're, we're sure about Jude. <laughs> I almost said, yeah. Oh, shit. I almost said, yeah, nah. I meant, nah, nah, yeah. Nah, yeah, bruh. So, listening people, make sure to check out that film for next episode because we will be talking about it in depth. Not in depth. Johnny Depp's not in the movie. Well, the depth is where the plane is. Uh, oh, no, dude. I was about to make a reference to a moment of depth, like literally in AI, but I, I can't give that away. That's like a great scene. But. Listening people, you can find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter where we post some fun uh, stuff on there, some questions, some images, some videos. You can interact with us on there. We have our email, which is spitandpolished at gmail.com. Do feel free to email us your questions, your queries, your concerns. You're, you're concerned about us. You're in the same room. How dare you? Or your suggestions for movies that we can cover in the future. Because we do take listening people's suggestions and mm-hmm. we get around to them. We have a list and we check it twice. And if you've been naughty, struck off the list. How dare you suggest fucking Watchmen. That was a Santa reference. <laughs> well, we did reference Tim Tim Allen earlier. That's right. He is the Santa Claus. Light buzz you. <laughs> Galaxy Quest. So, Martek, a pleasure as always. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. So, until next time, listening people, remember Wilson! I'm sorry, Wilson. I'm sorry. And then it's just you crying for <laughs> like a long duration and I faded out. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> 